Rebag is a luxury resale marketplace. They have a curated collection of investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry. Each piece is carefully vetted and verified by experts. You can buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Hermes, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com to get 10% off your first purchase with code REBAG10. That's Rebag.com to get 10% off your first purchase with code REBAG10. Betches Media presents Ha ha, laugh, funny Mention it all, a Bravo by Betches podcast We don't say that, but now we said it With me, Dylan Hafer Hold on, check me, boo Hey everyone, welcome back to the Mention It All podcast I am Dylan Hafer and happy Monday I am here with sort of a mixed bag of an episode. We've got a bunch of stuff going on. Later on in the show, I have an interview with Top Chef International All-Star contestant Don Burrell. Don, a favorite of mine from Top Chef Portland, is back for this season competing with All-Stars from around the globe in London. And I loved getting to sit down with her and chat about the new season, about her experience on the show, about being someone who cooks which is, uh, you know, not something I'm too familiar with, but uh, we had a great chat. So stick around, listen to that if you are a Top Chef fan. And also, if you're a Top Chef fan, I recapped the premiere episode on Friday. So if you haven't listened to that, it is uh, 15 minutes or so of me just kind of spiraling about everything that's happening on Top Chef. So, uh, you know, (laughs) make of that what you will. But you guys liked the uh, Top Chef mini solo recap episodes last season. So we are back. I will be doing those every Friday, you know, unless uh, unless all hell breaks loose or something. But for now, every Friday. But before we get into my interview with Don, we have some updates to go over. Some little lingering Scandaval stuff. But first, I want to shout out Heather Dubrow. Because Heather Dubrow is someone who, look, she's polarizing on Real Housewives of Orange County. I accept that. I I like her more than I don't like her on the show. But one thing that you cannot take away from her in my eyes is that she is a fucking good mom. She is the mom of four kids. And, you know, she made news earlier this month when she posted for International Sons Day about her youngest son, Ace. Uh, If you're not familiar really with Heather's family, uh, she has four kids, and this post essentially is confirming that her youngest kid is trans, which, you know, we didn't know before. They have a new season coming out. The trailer is seemingly missing in action, maybe this week. But when I saw this post, first of all, I, you know, love to see supportive parenting. These things are important trans people's rights are being taken away every day. It's always great to see someone in a position like this, you know, speaking out, being supportive. But the thing is, there is also, uh, there's an important question of timing here. And people are, you know, quick to come for her to say, your kid's only 12. Why are you posting about this? Why are you sharing this? This is, you know, what a blah, 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 blah. And she addressed this on her podcast. You know, they've lived their life in the public eye. Her kids have been in the public eye since they were extremely little. And so things are going to come out. People are going to see things. People are going to interpret things. And at a certain point, you got to just establish the narrative yourself. And I think the same people who are coming for Heather 
and saying they don't understand why this is anybody's business or that she shouldn't be posting about it or sharing about it or whatever are the exact same miserable people who, if they put out the trailer for Orange County season 17, I think, and you catch a glimpse of Heather's kids and one of them looks a little different than last time you saw them, they're the same people who are going to fire up Twitter.com and say some ignorant bullshit about Heather's kids. It's it's a one-to-one Venn diagram for me that these same people that are like, Heather, nobody wants to hear about this, would also be like, Heather, why does your kid have short hair or whatever? So I salute Heather for handling this, I think, the best anyone really could. It's a complicated situation, and I think she is handling it with grace. And I posted on Bravo by Betches uh, a clip from her podcast where she's talking about how her number one thing in life is, you know, supporting her kids, making sure they're okay, and that she also wants to help everyone else uh, do the same for their kids. And I just think Heather Dubrow, parenting legend, a total ally, and we need more of those. So, so props to Heather. Thank you. Uh, keep doing what you're doing. Uh, the haters are, the haters are not worth it. Ugh. Now we got to talk about Scandaval. Over the weekend, you know, things are things are simmering down since the episode of Vanderpump Rules last week where Tom is like, well, you know, like Ariana's my girl. I got to be there for her. Ooh, bad taste in my mouth. Raquel put out her second statement. Whatever. These people seem to have kind of, you know, gotten sick of the bullshit. So now we're hearing from some more secondary characters. Uh, Peter, Peter Madrigal. Uh, of, you know, always being at Sir fame. He went on the Behind the Velvet Rope podcast to talk about the Scandaval because, you know, why not? If everybody else can get on their own podcast, why can't he go on somebody else's? And he he said that he saw signs that something was going on between Tom and Raquel, but he chose to ignore those signs because he, he didn't think that Sandoval was capable of that. And, you know, he didn't believe it. He didn't think it was real. He thought his eyes were deceiving him. He also declined to get into details of what it actually meant when he said he saw signs like, were they, did you see them kiss? Did you see them holding hands? Did you see them sharing a flirtatious glance? Like, Peter. The thing about Peter is that he has been in this general orbit for so many years, yet has never actually elevated to the level of being involved in the game. He doesn't, you know, he attends every game, but he's never on the field. He's been sitting on the bench for a fucking decade. And my guy, if you are going to go on a podcast to talk about Scandaval, and your whole point of interest is, hey, I was in the room where it happens. I was in the team locker room. You know, they didn't give me a uniform yet, but, you know, I was I was there, right? Babe, the only reason I would be listening to that podcast episode is for you to spill the tea. So for him to say, uh, you know, I saw things that made me wonder. I'm not going to tell you what those things were, but, you know... I was wondering, like, babe, that is the only reason I'm listening. What were the signs? Be specific. 
Why do you think we care about you? We don't. We we don't really. It, all all love to Peter or whatever. But he did say that he was disappointed in Tom Sandoval. Of Raquel, though, he, uh, this is this is a direct quote. He said, "I thought she was a good person, but then again, I hardly knew her." Ooh. Yeah, I mean, Raquel really seems to be the one kind of on the losing end here, just because. I feel like this situation is just illustrating that Raquel is not anyone in this group's number one person. With Tom Sandoval, you know, is the the general public going to be on his side? No, certainly not. Are the women in the group going to give him the time of day? I hope not. But, you know, he still has Schwartz. They're still in business together. Honestly, Lisa is not even being that harsh on him. Things are going to be okay for Tom Sandoval. It might not be pleasant, but you know, he's fine. He's going to stick around. He still has the restaurants, whatever. Raquel, it's like, okay, so unless she stays with Sandoval, let's just, that's a separate thing. But it's like, Ariana's never going to give her the time of day again. Katie hates her. Lala hates her. Sheena allegedly maybe punched her. We don't know, but either way, she should hate her. Kristen Doty came back on the show because she hates her. James doesn't like her. Tom Schwartz, if he knows what's good for him, will stay the fuck away from her. Peter is now saying I barely even knew her after looking like a goddamn puppy dog on the whole season. Raquel has no one. She's reportedly left LA. She's, you know, I don't know, sheltering in place in wherever the fuck her parents live. (sighs) Raquel is really the loser here and I don't mean like uh, she's a loser which like debatable she just is losing and you know I don't know what she thought was going to happen that is the big question still it's like what did any of these people think was going to happen we did get to hear from Tom Schwartz over the weekend because he was stopped by a paparazzo at LAX I go back and forth on whether I think this was staged in any way it's a video from Backgrid who are known to be kind of like on speed dial from some people in Hollywood but he gets stopped by this guy. They talk for two full minutes at the airport. And I just have to say, I have never been at the airport and felt like if somebody came up to me about anything, that I had two full minutes to stop and chat with them. I've, you know, I've said hi to people at the airport. I've stopped for a photo. You know, I've met people. I've, I've given a direction here and there. Never in my life would I stop for two goddamn minutes and talk to someone at the airport, let alone with a camera in my face, if I wasn't expecting it. But you know, maybe Schwartz is built different. But anyway, they get to talking about the Scandaball. Tom Schwartz says of Tom Sandoval, quote, he has a sense of profound sadness. He feels like a piece of shit. And to some extent, maybe he is. Profound sadness is such an interesting way to describe this because it just, my question hearing that is like what is Tom Sandoval sad about is he sad that people are being mean to him on social media is he sad that maybe Schwartz and Sandys is going to have a bad Yelp rating because I don't see how as a uh, fully cognitively functioning 40 ass year old man who made the decision to fuck 
his life partner's good friend for seven or so months behind her back and then only came clean about it when she found out that he doesn't get to be sad about that. Like Ariana should be sad. Well, I mean, she should, I hope she's not sad, but like, she's the one who gets to be sad. What is Tom Sandoval sad about? That he was a dummy, that he was like a idiot clown. And now he has to deal with the consequences. I don't want to hear about how he's profoundly sad. I don't know. That was lame to me. Tom Schwartz said that he hopes Ariana is living the good life and that the whole thing blows over. Like, uh, Tom Schwartz, I guess I should not expect anything eloquent or particularly uh, wise coming from him. But just like the <laughs> the way he's speaking about this to this random man with a camera in LAX is like, did you not think about this at all? He hasn't posted a statement. This is the first time he's spoken publicly about any of this. And it's like, you didn't have anything better kind of like in the back of your head than like, I hope Ariana's living the good life. Why would she be living the good life right now? I mean, to be fair, she was in Mexico this weekend for a friend's wedding. There were also paparazzi photos of her. She looked like she was having fun. I hope she was. But like, that doesn't mean she's living the good life. The man she dated for nine years fucking like ripped everything to shreds. Why would she be living the good life? Talk to your friend, Tom Sandoval, who's profoundly sad about why he isn't letting Ariana live the good life. I don't know. It also is so weird now that they're just like paparazzi following these people around. Like the fact that we have photos of Ariana at this wedding in Mexico, like dancing. It's strange. It's strange. I know this is a big story, but it still feels like it's ours. And then you see like a TMZ video of Tom Schwartz in the airport and you're like, no, no, no. That That's mine. That's my thing. Stop. T- get, get away from it. <sighs> Tom Schwartz also said, this is the last thing, that he prefers not to discuss whether he knew about the situation in advance. Okay sure that we'll see it play out on the show and quote it's fucking complicated uh but he did deny that his situationship with raquel was him participating in a cover-up okay maybe whatever i feel like tom schwartz at the end of this it's like he looks like a dummy just like we kind of always knew he was but i almost I don't have like the energy or the like give a fuckness to actually be angry at him. I just think he's like kind of silly. He's like unserious as a person. So it's a little bit like, why would I devote my time and attention and energy to like dragging Schwartz, which I guess I have for the last five minutes sort of, but you know, we'll see how it all shakes out. (laughs) lvp was at the oscars i don't i don't know the rest of the ladies were just at the elton john party lvp was at the actual fucking oscars which i good for her i don't know why she was there but (sighs) vanderpump rules it's the moment Uh, anyway thanks for listening and don't go anywhere because coming up next is my interview with top chef all-star don burrell calling all my honeys support for today's episode comes from honey love 
Whether you're a bride, a wedding guest, or simply seeking everyday smoothing, Honeylove is the go-to for all things shapewear. Honeylove has revolutionized compression technology, so you no longer have to feel like you're suffocating while wearing effective shapewear. For a limited time, you can get Honeylove on sale. Get 20% off your entire order with our exclusive link, honeylove.com MIA. Support our show and check them out at honeylove.com forward slash MIA. When talking about shapewear, Honeylove's best-selling superpower short is the go-to. It has targeted compression technology that distinguishes between areas you want more support and areas where you need less compression. Their Signature X targets and sculpts your midsection without squeezing your natural curves. It's designed to work with your body, not against it. The Superpower Short is helping ladies everywhere sculpt and smooth from stomach to thigh by offering just the perfect amount of compression. You won't have to worry about it rolling down, which is unheard of in shapewear, thanks to flexible boning that's hidden in the side seams. This piece is also a booty lifter. Boost bands on the back and thigh give your bottom an amazing shape. Treat yourself to the best bras and shapewear on the market and save 20% off at honeylove.com MIA. Use our exclusive link to get 20% off honeylove.com MIA. After you purchase, they'll ask you where you heard about them. Please support our show and tell them we sent you. Move with confidence thanks to Honeylove. Hey, I'm Andy Mitchell, a New York Times bestselling author. And I'm Sabrina Kohlberg, a morning television producer. We're moms of toddlers and best friends of 20 years. And we both love to talk about being parents, yes, but also pop culture. So we're combining our two interests by talking to celebrities, writers, and fellow scholars of TV and movies. Cinema, really. About what we all can learn from the fictional moms we love to watch. From ABC Audio and Good Morning America, Pop Culture Moms is out now wherever you listen to podcasts. Hey everyone, welcome back. I am now happy to be joined by Don Burrell. Hi Don, how are you? Hey, what's happening? How are you? I am good. I'm excited to chat with you today. You, of course, were a finalist on Top Chef Portland a couple years ago, and now you are a global all-star. How does that feel? That's crazy that you say it that way. It feels exciting, more exciting when you say it um, <laughs> like that, in fact. Wow. I okay. I loved your season of Top Chef in Portland so much, and I was excited to hear that you would be back. Mm-hmm. What was it like returning for a second time, and obviously on such a different stage, going abroad, being with chefs mm-hmm. from all over the world? Uh huh. Um, it was um. It was wow. I mean, it was a, it was a definitely a different beast. Um, it was, um, you know, it was different for a number of ways because. You know, we're in uh, London and, um, you know, and then the competitors came from like completely different um, backgrounds and cultures. So that made it like really, really interesting. I I want to go back in time a little bit. I don't know if everybody listening knows, but you had a whole different career going before you were in the culinary world. You were you had an athletics career. You went to the mm-hmm. Olympics in 2000. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Did you always know that you were interested in food, that that's something you wanted to do kind of after the athletics piece was done? I did not um, know that, uh, but I I knew that, um, you know, food is uh, very important to, uh, you know, to my family and my, and my culture. And, um, and I always look forward to to eating with my family and um, look forward to what my my 
you know, my aunts and my grandmother would make. And I just knew how important it was to me. And uh, it wasn't until I, I stopped competing um, professionally that I was able to kind of hone skills, um, you know, some cooking skills and delve deeper into that, in, into that interest. So when did you kind of, how quickly did you become really serious about it? Because obviously on Top Chef, everybody's competing at this the high level. It's it's a lot more than just, I like to cook. Uh-huh, for sure. No, well, yeah, so th- exactly that. So I, I noticed that my interest lied in food um, as I was competing, but I didn't know, I had no idea I wanted to to cook professionally until after I retired. And, mm-hmm. um, and so I went to culinary school, um, you know, after I, you know, kind of, you know, silenced like the, my athletic, um, desires, I was able to better um, understand what, what other things I like to do, because, you know, that's a being a, a, for me, um, being a professional athlete was all all consuming. And so, you know, everything that I did in life was geared toward that. And so there was not a lot of time to to um, devote to other outside interests, only aside from meeting my need, which was to eat. I didn't really delve deeply into it until after my career. I Top Chef always is so exciting to me because it has that competition aspect, but everybody there is such an expert working at such a high level. It seems like a natural fit to kind of channel that competitive energy of being an athlete into something like food. Um, well, certainly, but, um, you know, I think that the, the comparisons lie more on like, you know, what it takes to com- to, to perform on a high level or compete at that level, um, which is like, you know, the, you know, the, the diligence, dis- discipline and determination to, to hone your skills and learn what you need to learn to be excellent. These are, these are things that, that parallel well with the two, with the two, um, my positions. When you did Top Chef for the first time, it was in the middle of the pandemic. I thought they did a great job of kind of crafting that season around mm-hmm. those parameters with the pandemic. When did how did that process work for you getting onto the show the first time? It had always been a dream of mine to be on the show, so I would always check periodically the um the Bravo website to see if um if they're you know Top Chef is casting, you know that type of thing. Um, but this, the, but that year, um, I was, I was, um, I was contacted and I was really excited to do that, to, to be a part of the process. And that was thought of in that way to reapply. Yeah. I mean, it, there have been so many talented people on the show. So I imagine it's mm-hmm. a goal for a lot of people working in the culinary world. So that does seem super exciting to get reached out to. Yeah. It was really exciting. Did you feel like with Top Chef, the challenges are so widely variable? There's so many different things. Is -hmm. there a way to prepare for the show aside from just your regular skills that you already have that you've worked on? Um, I would say no. There's no way um, really to do that. I mean, you can create your own challenges and and try to promote that – you know, that scenario where, um, you know, anything can happen. You have to be ready for anything. You can practice for that. Um, but, uh, no, not, not that I, not that I can think of. I think that, um, 
and that's the reason why I tell people that it's one of the hardest things I've ever done, even harder than being an Olympian, because, you know, my 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 process for training as an athlete was to to, you know, regimented and um, progressive. So, you know, each each week built on the last week, you know, doing the same thing, becoming an expert at that one thing. Um, but, you know, and then knowing that I, the, the, the challenge would be to exercise these things that you've been working on you know, for these past few years to and bring it all together. And the goal will be an excellent jump. Well, in Top Chef, you don't know what's happening. You don't know how to train for it. So um, the only training that you could have had was um, your past experiences in kitchens and, and working diligently with people and learning your disciplines and being comfortable in your skin and knowing your style. That's the only way that you can really prepare yourself. Mm. Right. If mm. if Tom comes in and tells you to use an ingredient you've never seen before, there's there's no yeah. way to prepare for that. Exactly. What do you do with that? You know? <laughs> and not to mention, I mean, the timing on Top Chef is always such a fraught thing. And I know that you you in particular have uh, have had your your struggles with the timing. I mean, I, yeah. just as a viewer, I can't imagine. Yeah. I mean, you know, my my major issue. First of all, I've never been, you know, excellent at time and time management. Um, it's something I work diligently toward every day. But that, the issue was not necessarily that as um, as a Top Chef contestant. It was more about editing for me. I just, you know, had to learn how to edit myself better, learn to reduce the amount of touches on the plate, learn, learn um, when the, the idea or the adage that less is more is truly um is truly uh, is truly valid, you know, and so I have I've had to train myself in that way uh, to become better at the things you you see reflected on TV. Mm. Yeah, that yeah. It, I mean, obviously, you can't be putting something super basic out on the plate, but at the end of the day, also, it's there is that balance. Yeah, you have to find the balance, and you know, and it was that. I mean, I think that if I left. Top Chef with nothing else, I learned um, how to how to edit myself, you know, and I learned and I received some very good um, advice from some some former contest, uh, contestants that that just told me that like to to be confident. They told me to be confident in my style and and to edit myself so that I can so that I can, um, you know, get everything on the plate and less is more when they were they were right. This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Now streaming only on Disney Plus. My name is Taylor. Welcome to the Eras Tour. Experience Taylor Swift's record-breaking Eras Tour. Does anyone here know the lyrics? Prove it! Taylor Swift, the Eras Tour, Taylor's version. With four additional acoustic songs. Now streaming only on Disney+. Plus. So your season the first time around was in Portland, and then the next season after that was in Houston, where you're based was that was there any part of you that was like oh I wish I had been on the Houston season 
Oh, there there were all the parts of me that wished they had. (laughs) (laughs) Honestly, like I was like, man, like not that I was ungrateful. I mean, I was happy. I, I, you know, I love the cast, um, Mm -hmm. um, the chefs that that we were that I was competing against, um, and you know that that dynamic could probably never be uh, reproduced. But yeah, um, to be to be in my city cooking for the people of my city, reflecting my city. It's like, that was, that was like, I, that's the only thing that I'm jealous about um, when it comes to Evelyn. Um, but, you know, she's my girl. So, mm. yeah. yeah, it was, it was really cool to watch throughout the season, her kind of have that feeling of pride in her city, but also mm-hmm. it was an added pressure having to perform and be on that stage. Right. Um, it, it's true. Um, but it's also added pressure that that I tend to thrive under. If that mm. makes sense. I I um I perform really well under that sort of pressure, and I think that um that would have been fuel, um good fuel for me. It was it was great to see you. You got to be a guest judge. You were around for a few episodes of the season. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How cool was that to get kind of asked to come back so quickly? Uh, it was it was incredibly surprising and what it was such an honor um and that was that was honestly the way that um you know that 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 allowed me to feel really good about not being on season 19 you know I was like okay well I get to be a part of it in some way and help you know and kind of help you know big up my city so to speak and um that was really exciting to be invited back and appreciated it made me feel appreciated by the network as well Mm -hmm. um you know because they invited me so many times to be a part of it yeah i think they they always do such a good job of incorporating past contestants and you know different cultures and so many different types of challenges it as a viewer it really feels rewarding to to see them kind of incorporating so many things and i love that Mm -hmm. they do that yeah um they, they do a great job at reflecting the city um bringing us back and we're truly family you know, they they definitely um, reach out and include you when it, whenever they can. And mm-hmm. um, it's always very nice to um, to have that sort of publicity and that that and that relationship. Absolutely. So when did this idea of this international all stars show, when did you first hear about it? Did you know that you were being considered? How did that work? No, I did not know I was being considered. I was. I received a phone call maybe a month and a half before before shooting maybe and um and I was trying to I immediately I immediately said no because I didn't I didn't think that it would be good, good timing for for us in the restaurant group I thought that we would be further along with our with the restaurant and um I felt that I needed to be in place uh in Houston, but after speaking to uh, my my business partner and the landlords and all that, everyone agreed that it would be a good opportunity and a great um, it would be a good challenge for me and a great opportunity for everyone if I if I if I competed with them. Yeah, I mean, there isn't another opportunity quite like doing a show like this, but at the same time, I can see why it's difficult to leave you know, what you're working on every day and go mm-hmm. compete in a different country. It feels so like such a big leap to make. Right. Um, I would say it was, a, it was a, it was a huge leap. Um, I, 
I did not, I did not anticipate having to ready myself um, mentally for, for, for such a competition. And, um, you know, but I did feel the, the drive and the need to compete again, you know, as a true competitor, like, okay, if, if, if I haven't won, then, you know, then let, let's go and do better. You know, that was my idea behind the, um, competing again. Like I'm mm. ready for it. I'm, I, I believe I can do it. Um, so why not? And the only reasons were because of, you know, because of the restaurant and, and uh, the group and, you know, having uh, systems in place while I was gone, I wasn't going to be able to, I didn't think I'd be able to get those together in time. So that's why I said no at first. Yeah. I, I'm i curious, going into it the second time, obviously it was different and the timeline was mm -hmm. different. Do mm -hmm. you feel like you had a different mindset approaching the competition than your first time around? Mm -hmm. Um, I think, I think so. I think I, I, I had, um, a different mindset. Um, I don't think that there was any less pressure that I felt. Um, but because I know the weight, I, I have a clear understanding of what the weight of the competition is. Right. Um, I just was my, I think maybe I, my resilience, um, I was, I don't know, maybe, maybe mentally I was in a different place, but I don't know. I, I, I think I definitely felt a little bit different, but I can't say if it, if it, if it was negative or positive. Mm, I think there's, I mean, obviously I have not competed on Top Chef, but I imagine uh -huh. maybe it feels a little different. It's not the first time that, Padma and Tom and Gail have tasted your food. It's not the first time that you've, you know, gotten a challenge like that, that just kind of having the experience of doing it before makes you feel a little bit less uneasy about the whole situation. Yeah. From, from the perspective of being familiar with what I'm getting into. Yes. But, uh, but there, there's no, again, it's a new, it's the, it's a new game because it's a new city. Right. And so um, the the challenges will be different, and I can't really I can't really set my set any expectations of what they might be or how they might play out or you know or what you know what what the details of each comp I mean competition would be like I don't know so so the pressure for me was was this was uh the same. Yeah, that ma that makes sense. That it's yeah. it's still just as unexpected, even if you kind of know, uh, you know how the process works. Yeah, I have a, I have a window. Yeah, I had a window in, but I've never I still never been in the house before. <laughs> so mm -hmm. yeah, uh -huh. <laughs> you you said in the premiere that you felt like last time on Portland, it took you a few challenges to kind of work your way into the competition. Um, how do you? You know, you went in with your that in your mind. Did you do you feel like you were able to kind of get around that this time? Mm, no, I I don't. Um, because I I I'm slow to warm up. I think that that is um, that's just how I am. Um, you know, if I it's like being a little bit rusty, haven't done something in a long time, and um. You know, you. I have to reactivate those my my quick thinking skills. I have to, I have to um, slowly work my way into working faster. You know, at a process, and you know, and also trusting myself. You know, um, I had to 
you know, I, I, I require that time to, to kind of get comfortable in, in my skin in a scenario. Um, and, you know, and so in that way, uh, I, you know, I, I competed the exact same way. Mm. Mm. Can you just tell me, uh, obviously this season is just getting underway. Just tell me, how does it feel to know that you're part of this group of international all-stars? We have people from all different countries, continents. What does that feel like to be in that group? Um, it feels it feels like it feels like such an honor um, to be a part of this group. I know that you know some of them have either worked. Well, mo- uh, I believe there's one um, Michelin star uh, nominated chef that I was competing against. Yeah, and um, so you know to be considered as um, you know either in that group of finalists that compete against each other. It's a, it's a really it was. I, I feel really proud to have been part of it. Yeah, it's great. You should feel proud. It's a it's a big <laughs> deal. We love it. <laughs> yeah. Well, I am so excited to see this season. What a, are you excited to watch the season back? Do you kind of do you dread watching the episodes? How does how is that for you? Um, I do. I dread watching them to be honest because I I mean I lived it right and it was all I mean I, it's like. You you remember it, the the stress level of every scenario, and it's just cringe worthy to have to watch watch it back. So, um, and it's also you also wonder like, oh, what's going to be included? What's you know what mm-hmm. what's edited? What's not edited? I wonder like you know what how the picture's being painted because the, the artistry happens there as well, right? Um, and um, and so all of this you know keeps my shoulders close to my ears and. And me wincing a little bit. <laughs> right. I mean, it, yeah, like when everything is being filmed, it's like usually when you're in the kitchen just on a normal day, it's whoever yeah. you're working with and nobody else is ever going to see back there. It's really right. vulnerable, I imagine. Yes. It's a, it's a completely vulnerable situation. And um, and I, I just kind of um, grip my teeth. And in, in, uh, today I'll be gritting my teeth and leaning into it. sure yes (laughs) well I think it's going to be an exciting season and I'm definitely excited to watch it even if it's uh, a little tough for you yeah it's gonna be tough but also like I mean it's fantastic show like that receives great support and and the competition is um is is fierce and and people like to see it and I'm happy to be a part of it so there's nothing negative about that and I hope that it doesn't seem negative my response to your question doesn't seem negative it's just reality to um to have to watch yourself doing these things and struggling through something um whether it's a competition or you know a bad interview whatever it is you know (laughs) you know it's hard it's hard it's absolutely i think that is a completely human response i don't think it sounds negative at all okay good Uh, well, well, Don, thank you so much for chatting with me and uh, congratulations and best of luck on this season. Oh, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much, Don, And thank you everyone for listening. Don't forget to rate, review and follow the show wherever you listen. We have lots more great stuff coming up. So if you are subscribed, you will get it straight into your feed. You can follow us on Instagram at Bravo by Betches. You can follow me at Dylan Hafer. And until next time, be cool. Don't be all like uncool. Mention It All is produced by Dylan Hafer, Sean Kilby, Jorge Morales-Picot, and Rebecca Sousmacat. 
Editing by Jorge Morales Pico. Social media by Dylan Hafer. Guest booking by Dylan Hafer and Ali Friedlander. Be sure to follow at Bravo by Betches on Instagram and Twitter. Betches.